I wonder if we shouldn't use the term disciplines. Hobbies, hobbies sounds too grade school, get out the glue and make a collage. I like the word disciplines in a way because it is something that you learn. You become a disciple of a teacher or the, the discipline itself and it's just a really good metaphor for conversion. And, and so often, you know, our life, our Christian life, and therefore our monastic life is about conversion. It's the whole point of, of being a monk or being a Christian. I'm novice Tony Wolnikowski. I am Brother Joel Blaze. And this is our podcast, Echoes from the Bell Tower. Stories of wit and wisdom from Benedictine monks who live, work, and pray in southern Indiana. This week, we're talking about what monks do outside of prayer and work. When we enter the monastery, we are encouraged to take up hobbies or disciplines, as Brother John Mark would say. Disciplines in the monastery range from caring for chickens and bees to knitting and wood burning. We have monks who garden or fly kites and many that just collect items. Our episode begins with Father Augustine's story of how he began collecting stamps and why his collection is different than most. Father Augustine had no intention of starting a stamp collection. When he was seven years old, his aunt worked for a company that received a lot of foreign mail, and she thought someone should start saving the stamps. And so I was the the guinea pig. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I was about seven years old, and I've been saving stamps ever since. And I'm 85 now, so <laughs> it's quite a few years. When Father Augustine joined the monastery, he already had a pretty good collection going. He gave this collection to his mother, and she continued to work on it. I don't know just what year it was, but my parents were living in a mobile home and uh, caught fire and burned, and the collection burnt in it. But my mother immediately started collecting again. She did it for a number of years, and uh, she had a good collection going. But then she was too old, and she couldn't take care of it. So she gave the a collection to the monastery. So it did come back to me. <laughs> like we said in the introduction, Father Augustine's stamp collection is different than most. When most people collect stamps, they collect one of each kind. Father Augustine's collection is all the stamps he can get his hands on. For me, living in a monastery which has a continued history, you know, the monastery will probably be going on for another 100, 200, 300 years. If, if you get a stamp that's worth, let's say, 50 cents, well, if you get another one just like it, it's worth 50 cents also. And so... With that idea in mind, why I keep all the stamps that I I get, and uh, I may have two hundred, three hundred, or up to a thousand the same stamp, but the just uh, replicas. So um, someday, those stamps, even though they're all the same and don't have much value, 
they will uh, gain value by time. Father Augustine also files his stamps differently than most collectors. Most collectors put their stamps in albums, but albums only allow one kind of stamp. Since Father Augustine collects so many stamps, he puts them in plastic bags and keeps them in a box by year. So I have a room that that's designated a stamp room. <laughs> and uh, there's uh, just boxes and boxes and boxes of those stamps that way. Oftentimes, as we get older, we have more time to devote to our interests. That's certainly been the case with Father Augustine. Previously, it was my spare time. It was just a hobby. But now, why? I do some work on stamps almost every day. And it uh, keeps me kind of busy. And that's, that's a good thing when you're disabled. Hobbies serve several purposes in the monastery. They're a creative outlet, a way to express individuality, and a way to relax and relieve stress. They can also help us as we navigate difficult times. Brother Giles used to collect model trains. He recently donated his train collection to the Dubois County Museum in Jasper, Indiana, but in 1977 he began to take train collecting seriously while at a treatment center for alcoholism. Well, I've always had a thing for trains. I even had the trains when I was a kid, my mother. They gave me train sets, you know, and I got involved in trains. And when I went up to Guest House, I took my trains with me. Guest House is a treatment center in Michigan for Catholic clergy, men and women religious, and seminarians suffering from alcoholism, addictions, and behavioral health conditions. See, we had to have a hobby. Some people had different hobbies, you know, actually. But I had trains, and the ladies used to have to come and see brothers' trains. The icon for day, there were a group of ladies that supported Guest House, you know. And I enjoyed running them. <laughs> yep, the good old days, but happy memories, because I got sober then. And the rest is history. Uh, how many years out the sober? Quite a few. And I attribute it all to Mary. She takes good care of me. Some monks choose to take their talents to the kitchen. Brother Andre is graduating from culinary school this year. Brother John Mark bakes bread almost every day. With the help of novice Tony. And several junior monks make beer. Father Julian will explain how cooking has become a part of his ministry in prayer life. Cooking has always been one of my hobbies. I refer to it as one of my therapeutic uh, hobbies because, uh, especially as a priest, dealing with people's lives, um, we don't always know how things are going to turn out. And when you're cooking, you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you have a sense of seeing something through to completion. And I like being able to produce good things for people. But it's also been, uh, at different times, a significant part of my work uh, in different assignments as uh, coordinator of special events, working with the kitchen, and teaching a cooking class for the seminarians during the J-term, which for some of them is how to boil water. And for others, it's a little more advanced because they, like I, 
have grown up cooking and enjoy cooking. So I always say that I grew up in the kitchen with my grandmother, uh, and that's where I learned to cook, and uh, that's how I learned to make some of the old family favorites. That side of the family is Polish, American, so learning many things that weren't written down. She died the summer I came to the monastery, and so after I came to the monastery, it was not uncommon for my mother to call me and say, now, how did she used to do this? Because I was the one who hung out with her a lot of times, and so uh, I became the, the repository of the family recipes. And that's one of the things I always encourage the seminarians now, to learn how to make their favorite thing from their mother, their father, their grandmother, uh, favorite uncle, so that uh, it's about preserving family legacy and history and also, uh, sometimes you just want a comfort food that's going to remind you home. And be engaging in a hobby is also a time to very much be engaged in prayer, uh, personal prayer. That goes back to you know the, the ancient monks who wove baskets. Yes, it was part of their trade, but it was also a craft and a little more than a hobby. But they were able to pray the Psalms while they were weaving baskets and then taking them to market to sell. So for us, it's you know I can be rolling out pierogi dough, and uh, meanwhile, mindful of my grandmother and all those who have been a part of my life, and offer a prayer for them. Recently, in the last couple of years, several of the junior monks have been experimenting with brewing beer. Brother William and Brother James started the hobby back in 2012, when Brother James's brother bought him a kit. When brothers Jean and Nathaniel joined the monastery last year. It was the perfect opportunity to join them in what they were doing. Here's Brother Gene now. A lot of the time while we're brewing, we're just talking. We might have a movie on in the background, so it's a nice, relaxed environment. And get to know each other a little better. When they took up the hobby, they were using various kits that they purchased online or through brewing stores. But since then, the junior monks have taken it to another level. We were in the brew store getting cleaning supplies and brother William came with us and then he told us hey I've been working on this recipe why don't we give it a shot so kind of within that moment we were okay we needed to take this step eventually anyway so let's go for it we no longer do kits but we we come up with our own recipes and it's a nice creative outlet for us it gives us an opportunity to try different things uh, and to experiment a little bit. So, you know, we work with looking for different hops or different kind of grains or barleys or wheats in order to brew our beer with. And we like to add different things to some of our brews too, some different spices uh, or just different combination of ingredients to see what we can come up with. And then within the fermentation itself, there are different variables such as temperature. Recently we started kegging, and because we've been kegging now, we're doing second fermentation. And then also within the brew process itself, there are different variables such as the temperature that you steep the grain at, or how long you steep, how long you do the boil when you add the different hops. So there's a lot of different variables that factor into how the final product comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beer making 
on the outside uh, seems very simple. Uh, but when you sit down, start to study the process and look at it, you start to notice all the intricacies uh, and all the challenges that come with making the beer itself. I mean, in a nutshell, all we're doing is trying to remove starch from grains or other sources of sugar so the yeast have something to eat. Uh, that's what makes alcohol. Brother Gene and Brother Nathaniel have been serving the homemade beer to the community on Saturdays. They are experimenting with lagers, ales, stouts, a saison, and a mead, which is a honey wine. They made a batch of mead using honey harvested by Novice Tony and Brother Simon last fall. You'll hear more about that process later on in the episode. They hope to serve it for Novice Tony's first profession in August. The community really gets a chance to join in on the beer-making hobby as taste testers. They really enjoyed the stout, the oatmeal stout. Yeah, we've been making an oatmeal stout. It's a nice, darker beer, heavier beer. Uh, has nice flavors of chocolate and coffee. Uh, and that's something that's gone well with our meals here. They've also really liked, uh, we make a red rye ale, too. Uh, has nice little spicy flavors of rye and lighter than the oatmeal stout. But it seems like the community's really liked that, too. Honestly, I think it's all fun. <laughs> it's nice to have this as a creative outlet and to not only have that, but to be able to share it with other people within our community. I think that's where a lot of the joy comes from. And, you know, our hobbies provide us an opportunity to seek God and to learn about God in, in different ways outside of our traditional work and our normal everyday schedule. Uh, so for that sheer fact alone, uh, being able to integrate our hobbies within our everyday lives is, is important for us as monks. Later in this episode, you're going to hear about how Brother John Mark makes bread for the community. Recently, I've been helping with this project, and I've been taking the beer grains that Brother Nathaniel and Brother Gene use in the beer-making process and have been using that to make bread. As you can see, monks have a lot of carbs to burn off. To do this, we pursue different avenues of fitness, like Brother Nathaniel's training to run a marathon. Several monks cycle. Father Rupert rode his bike till he was 93. Father Adrian explains why your physical health is important for your spiritual health. When I came into the monastery, I was 28 years old. And when I was a younger person in college and high school, I didn't really have a lot of uh, activity in my life except marching band. I'm a trombonist. And so I sort of began to uh, feel the effects of that over time. And when I moved here to St. Meinrad as a seminarian, in 1990, I started to feel the weight of my own body as I tried to climb these hills. I began to notice that I would get fairly um, winded, fairly quickly, actually. When I entered the monastery as a novice, I decided at that point to integrate my life a little better, bringing together the physical aspect of my person with the spiritual. And so that's when I took up exercise in earnest, at that point, Father Adrian began weightlifting. And so I keep myself 
in shape, generally speaking, toned. Um, I'm not looking to do any bodybuilding contests or anything, but just try to stay in shape um, as an overall program of spiritual life. He enjoys the physical nature of lifting weights rather than doing something aerobic. While I'm lifting weights, I'm not actually thinking about much of anything. I do not uh, strive to figure things out with my mind while I'm working out with weights. Really, all I'm doing is focusing my mind on the action and trying to uh, retain a proper posture, for example, and a proper form. But I just like giving my mind a little rest because the rest of my day, the rest of my waking hours anyway, is taking up with reading, spiritual direction, working on retreat conferences or class notes, and uh, is a very intellectual sort of activity. So working with weights, being down in the gym, exercising helps to let my mind off the hook for a while and just be. Last summer, he hurt his shoulder and was out of the gym for several weeks. That injury, I think, was God's way of telling me, hey, you know what? You're done with that. It's time to get on with life and balance is good. Keeping this as a part of my lifestyle will be very important to me, but um, there's no need for me to lift anything, uh, you know, the size of a small car anymore. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. While we're no longer able to call on Father Adrian to lift small cars out of ditches anymore, we are really happy that he's taking care of himself. Serving one another is taking care of each other's physical needs in some ways, but also taking care of ourselves so that we can be in the best shape to care for others, uh, as well as just being a good steward to the body we've been given by God. I always insist with people is a necessary component of a holistic spiritual life, of a complete spiritual life. If it's left out, there's something very important that's been left out, and your Christian spiritual discipline limps as a result. Brother Simon Herman has several hobbies. He enjoys reading, and he's one of several monks who cycle around the area. He's also recently taken up beekeeping. All right, well, I'll leave these guys alone. I don't really want to look for the queen. I assume she's there because there's a lot of bees, and that's a good sign. As far as hobbies go, I think the one that's been most shocking to me that I've learned a lot from is beekeeping. Over the course of maybe the past 10 years, we've had upwards of seven or eight hives, and we're down to one now, and I'm hoping to get two more for this season. Brother Simon actually set up two more hives shortly after Easter. Father Anthony used to take care of the beehives, but Brother Simon became interested in it last March and began visiting the hives regularly around April. So I talked to Father Anthony about it, and he was more than happy to help out and show me the ropes and when to do this with the hive or do that or what time of the year to do this or that or when to feed them or not feed them and when to take the honey and all that. So that's, that's been really helpful working with him, and he said he would be beekeeper in residence. Last fall, I was able to help Brother Simon harvest honey, we harvested about three gallons of honey, but it was definitely a learning experience. We both went over and poked around and lifted up the top cover, and we're both a little intimidated by the bees and the potential for a sting. 
and then we got used to it and then we suited up one weekend I think in October and and got the honey from the bees and I swear for maybe 20 minutes we just stared at the hive not knowing really what to do I think we knew what to do but we didn't want to do it because we didn't know how the bees would react and then we were both just like we're gonna do it and we did it and we came up with a really good system of removing each frame from the hive that was filled with honey and brushed the bees off and then put the frames in a container so the bees couldn't get to the honey and we just repeated the process and it was really great I think those first 20 minutes were very intimidating but then once we had a system down we got it figured out in monastic life there isn't necessarily more time for hobbies but there is perhaps more of an emphasis placed on them I think Reflecting back on my time before the monastery, I would just get lazy after work and not want to do some kind of hobby. So now here in the monastery, I think as far as good human formation and what I think ultimately leads to good hospitality is you taking care of yourself. And for some, hobbies help them do that. And I think for most, that's a good thing for them to do. And it's it's really encouraged among among the monastery and among the brothers that, yeah, it's important to find a hobby and do something to better yourself because ultimately that will help you better others. With hobbies, we bring our relationship with God into our, into our hobbies and, and vice versa. So with beekeeping, I have to be very patient because the bees are very gentle and tender creatures and if I just go into their house and mess around and make a bunch of noise they're going to get upset so in some sense I can take what I learned there and patience with me into my prayer into my work into living in community and so in some sense I can bring one to the other. Brother John Mark also has several hobbies. One of his main hobbies, or disciplines, is being a musician. He began taking piano lessons at age five and played all the way through college. And in my last year in college, I discovered singing and then studied voice. And that really became my primary instrument. And I continue to sing, and that's what I like doing the most. But about seven or eight years ago, I also started taking up the cello. Uh, I really love the cello a lot, and uh, that might one day become my favorite, but I'm I'm not good at playing the cello in the same way that I'm, I'm good at singing, and so I, I can't rank it first just yet. I've heard it said that the cello comes the closest to matching um, the range and the timbre of the human voice. As we age, our voices change, and eventually our voices lose a lot of quality as we get older. And there's a part of me that wanted to start playing the cello so that I would have something in my older aged years in which I could still make music and, and still make music beautifully once my, my voice was way past its prime. Brother John Mark is also a bread baker. He's been making bread for the community every day except Sunday for the last three years. And he's really done the research behind the hobby, studying natural leavens and the chemistry behind bread making. That's become a real interesting hobby, discipline. It becomes a real discipline when you decide you're going to do it every single day because there gets a point where it's no longer fun and 
and then you realize, well, but the community enjoys it and they expect it and and there is something to be learned with just sticking with something day in, day out, day in, day out. It's a little bit of a, a metaphor for the monastic life in general. And the thing is, while Brother John Mark was filling in for Father Garrick as a novice junior master, he stopped making the bread. And so there was a few months of agony <laughs> and separation anxiety <laughs> when we weren't getting delicious, fresh bread every morning. But now that it's back, it's wonderful. It's so nice. Brother John Mark is also a potter. That is a hobby he took up when he first came to the monastery. In my first several months here, uh, Father Harry, who was my novice master, asked what I thought I might want to do kind of for work. And as a psychologist, I said I, I'm interested in continuing to kind of be a psychologist, but it causes me to spend an awful lot of time in my head. It would be nice to have something also that I might do with my hands at some point. So a couple days later, a little note on my door showed up, and it said, uh, how about pottery? So Brother John Mark began studying pottery. For me, I always have to have something creative going on, whether it's creating bread or music or something like pottery. It just does something for me that... I don't know what it is, but when it's not there, it changes how I live life a little bit. I'm not uh, I'm not as happy and not quite as much at peace, I think. And so it's important to have things that we invest ourselves in and things that we enjoy. Thank you for listening. Maybe you've even heard of a hobby that you want to start. Today, this podcast was produced by Krista Hall with help by Brother Joel Blaze, Brother William Sprower, Mary Jean Schumacher, Jim Paquette, Tammy Sheeter, Christian Mozek, and myself, Novice Tony. Brother John Mark played the cello in this episode, and the other music was written and produced by Brother Joel. We want to give a special thanks to Father Augustine Davis, Father Adrian Burke, Father Julian Peters, Brother Giles Mayhew, Brother John Mark Falkenhayn, Brother Simon Herman, Brother Nathaniel Siddick, and Brother Gene Fish. Our fifth and final episode of this season will launch in two weeks. Tune in then to hear about what goes into electing a new abbot. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you like this episode, next time you're on iTunes, be sure to take a moment to share it with friends or submit a quick review. We have a lot of extra stories and photos to go with this episode on our blog at stmeinrad.edu slash echoes. And we always played with the trains. Everybody had to come down and see the trains. And then when we moved up to the monastery with them, <laughs> Timothy was having, and he'd hear the trains playing, and everybody was there watching. And, and he'd come over, quiet, quiet, I need some sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>